Chip Kelly just left UCLA to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Could we see a Utah coach do that in the near future? Make such a lateral move? Let's discuss on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you like and subscribe. Love interacting with all of you in the YouTube comments as well as on social media where you can follow our show at Locked On Utes. Today's episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On. That's all caps, no spaces. Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. My name is JT Wister, so former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined on today's show by the host of Locked On College Football, Spencer McLaughlin. Spencer, had to have you on for this one because there was some crazy news. The, the college football world is crazy right now in general, right? The landscape, all the things that have happened. There's a lot of things going on, but this one really caught me by surprise. Chip Kelly just left UCLA, the head coach of UCLA. I'm talking about the right Chip Kelly to become the offensive coordinator at a school in the same conference. Now, yes, Ohio State is a better program, all of that, than UCLA, but it's still becoming an offensive coordinator at the collegiate level when you were a head coach at a Power Five school. And while UCLA, as I said, is not Ohio State, it's not a bad. It's still not supposed to be a bad job by that and by that wide of a margin that you then want to become an offensive coordinator. So I think it speaks to the crazy world we're in. So I think then the question does: Will this happen to Utah at some point where you could see a head coach or someone in that position like depart for a seeming lesser position to go to a bigger school like that? In some situations, the question's yes. Like Kyle Whittingham is not going to. I think the more fascinating one would be if Morgan Scally got promoted. Like, would he move on to be a college defensive coordinator like if he was the head coach at Ohio State or somewhere like that. I would have a hard time seeing that, as we, we can talk about in a second. I think this is more Chip Kelly's issues with recruiting in the state of college football than his like just being done being a head coach. So I would be surprised. But yeah, I mean, obviously, guys are always going to be a threat to leave jobs. So I don't think that this will be something that is a massive trend going forward. I, I just think this was a Chip Kelly is really fed up type of thing. Well, I, I disagree with you at some level because I think this is already a trend. We just had a power five head coach depart his position to go be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Ryan Grubb and his offensive line coach could have been the OC O-line coach yeah. at Alabama, the biggest brand and the reigning dynasty in the sport and try and continue that legacy. And they said, no, thank you. I'd rather go in the NFL. And it's the same symptom that drove Chip Kelly to say, I'm done with UCLA and for UCLA to allow him to depart. He just wants to coach ball. And it's not all about that anymore. And a lot of old school coaches in college football and college basketball are being driven out of this. And there, it is a problem. And I think the best way to lay this out was done by Gene, Gino Ariema, the women's basketball coach at UConn. So he was asked in a press conference. I don't remember what the question was, but I remember his response. And what, what he said, I thought was so you should go watch the full comments on YouTube. This is not one of those. Oh, yeah, go check it out. Where like. No, he speaks very eloquently, and this is a guy who has been around the sport, around college athletics for a long time. He's seen all this change. He's not resistant to the change, but he, like some other coaches, including Chip Kelly, and I think Nick Saban as well, 
have looked at, you know, the oncoming avalanche of, of changes and evolutions in the sport and gone, okay, some of this is good, but you're, you're going too far here. You can't have this. And what Gino talked about was how are you supposed to coach a player when that player feels that he or she is owed everything and owes you as a coach, nothing. Yeah. How can you coach it? And you can't. The answer is you can't, you can only cut like, I'm not saying that applies to every single student athlete. It does not, or they're about to be employees. At least they are at Dartmouth. So I'm not saying it implies to every college athlete, but there is a non-zero number of athletes that it does apply to where they're going to places and saying, what can you do for me? How are you supposed to coach in that environment? Because what if it's your most talented player? saying, you got to treat me like this. You have to do that, right? Then you start to lean towards the NBA, which I would not argue, in fact, I'd argue opposite, is in a good position right now. And it's a very player-run, player-friendly league. And college sports has become that even more so. There is less organizational control. Players can go in the portal anytime. Players can demand NIL. Players can do all sorts of stuff. It is the player empowerment era in a big way. Some of those changes I think are good. I think Caleb Williams being able to be in a Dr. Pepper commercial and get paid for it. I think that's great. And that makes sense to everybody. But what doesn't make sense is when players are on teams and coaches have to tiptoe around them. I can't coach them hard because I'm worried that this player is going to transfer. I can't coach him hard because I know how much he's getting in NIL. He's got to be happy. That is not a productive environment for anybody involved, including the players. I mean, remember, these are still kids, 18 to 22-year-old kids for the most part. What are we trying to do while they are in college? Even those that are athletes, you are trying to prepare them for life. And you are not doing that by giving them the illusion that they should just go into meetings and be, you know, you, you have all the leverage and you get everything that you want. And if you don't, then you leave. And when times get hard, you leave. I don't think any of that is good. And so coaches have gotten fed up with this stuff. Chip Kelly just wants to coach football. And Roy Williams is out of the sport. And Mike Krzyzewski is out of the sport. And Jay Wright is out of the sport. And Nick Saban's out of the sport. And Jim Harbaugh, bail. I mean, I can keep going. I can keep going here. This is a symptom of what has transpired because of the lack of structure in college football and and college athletics writ large. And so as, as a result, you have a dynamic in which coaches are only coaching 50% 50% of their time. They, they, they have to play all these games. They got to do all this sort of stuff. And some of them are into it. Good for them. But to the ones that are frustrated with the world that has been created here for the coaches, I empathize with them. I, I really, really do. Yeah, it's not a great position to be put in. Um, going back to something you said early, to me, the Ryan Grubb thing, like he is going to be an NFL offensive coordinator still. So I that bailed on like, Alabama. It's Alabama. an NFL offensive coordinator job. And I'll also say this I actually think he'll have more freedom in the NFL because he's going to work for a defensive minded head coach versus I still feel like Kalen DeBoer probably has the large hand and say into what the offense does. They clearly like that. work together very well. They do work together very well to your point too, but I can just see how the NFL opportunity would be alluring to him, but I will go back to Boston college. I mean, what they just went through with everything that happened there, like that is, that's where I could see a Utah. If Morgan Scally was there, that things like that's where it's a more realistic 
realistic thing to me, go off and be an NFL head coach. I think the Chip Kelly situation is also very interesting. Spencer, I think you and I talked, we were both fans of Chip Kelly. We did not feel he should be on the hot seat. The seat got very hot this last season. I think we were more so impressed with what he did with the roster versus it seemed like UCLA was just like, we should be winning more and had, I think you've said this before, even like they just had an illusion of what they actually think they are versus what they really are in reality, where it kind of got messy there. And, and that's where I do think that in that situation, that's why he left because he saw the writing on the walls. I think, how does he open his season? Isn't it like LSU, Oregon and like some big 10 team, the new, the new, like UCLA does. It's a, it's a brutal schedule. Oh, UCLA schedule is not good. Their win total is at four and a half. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, gonna be their first, be their first big 10 game is at home, but it's against Oregon. Good yeah, luck. and that so that's where it's going to be really tough from as well. But you do make a great point about just the changing world of college football. And I think the one thing I'll say that Utah is going for them, Spencer, is they have a really strong culture in place. You know, everyone says they have the family and all the things like that, but it does feel a little different at Utah. I know NIL and all that stuff. Like that's where for the players it'll be interesting. But I just feel like there's a great relationship between a Mark Harlan and Kyle Winningham right now. It seems like NIL funds are there. Cam Rising is still at Utah, and he obviously is loyal. But Utah did obviously need to bring a little bit of the Brinks trucks in in order to make that happened just in the NIL era where I do feel like that this Utah team is in the strong position by that standpoint. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that as well in one moment. But first, want to talk to all of you about one of the sponsors of today's episode of Locked On Utes in our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all users get $100 off when you buy a big game ticket with code Vegas. 100. What are some of the things that are best about the Game Time app? Well, the last minute tickets deals, those flash and zone deals. It's also just easy to find and buy tickets. And they even give you a view from your seat so you know exactly what kind of gear gift you are getting in that deal. And also with Game Time, you get the Game Time guarantee. It means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with a Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get 100 dollars off a big game ticket with code vegas 100 that's all caps 100 no spaces terms and conditions do apply just download the game time app and use code v-e-g-a-s 100 for 100 dollars off a big game ticket or you can also just use code locked on capital l and o no spaces in between that for 20 dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed also want to talk to all of you about another sponsor of our episode of Locked On Use today in our friends at UCCU. Learn and earn the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become more financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. Learn and earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can occur and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and more. There is age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards learn and earn is inside the uccu mobile banking app so play it anytime anywhere the more you play the more you learn and the more you earn the more you earn learn and earn part of uccu's award-winning be money smart youth banking program helping kids teens and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together uccu love where you bank spencer since you're on we'll honor you with the second segment sip appreciate you staying up with us but going back and talking about utah 
and just are they set up for success in the NIL era? I do feel like they are because this is a team that was succeeding before the NIL era and in a way that I think is going to allow them to continue to succeed. Utah was not depending on their recruiting classes in order to succeed. Like some places that were just recruiting at eye level and then the NIL funds aren't there, that's where it kind of fell apart. Utah was winning Pac-12 championships consistently when they did not have a recruiting class that was towards the top of the conference. They found the Devin Lloyds, the Dalton Kincaids, the Cam Risings, who after transferring away from, from Texas at the time was not this hot quarterback transfer name. So all these things Utah has done because they have that strong recruiting base. There's obviously some NIL still available. I And the coaching and the culture that Kyle Whittingham has put in place, I feel like Utah should continue to be successful even in the NIL era. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that much changes. You know, in Utah has had some flashy moments with NIL with the trucks that they've given players. I think that's smart. <laughs> I, I, I think that's good publicity because at the very least, what you're doing there as a program is sending a message to everybody that, hey, we're, we're not ignoring this. It, it's not something we're putting on the back burner. We're not going to discard it as something we don't need. We're not going to you know pull a Dabo Sweeney here or anything like that. Utah's NIL coffers might not be as well stocked as, you know, an Oregon or a USC or an SMU or, you know, any any place like that. SMU is a huge NIL collective for those who are unaware as they go into the ACC. But I think that for for Utah, they're in a solid spot. And I think they're going to be able to do enough to get the players that they know fits what they want to do, that, that they are going to be able to succeed because Kyle Whittingham is there. And he's going to stay. And because they've got staff continuity, because they've got, I mean, I, I love them in 2024. Absolutely love them in 2024. Returning production, cam rising, you just across the board, the schedule. I think it's all there. But I think long term, there are some programs that feel like NIL is an obstacle. It is a hindrance. We can't compete, can't keep up. I don't think Utah is at the bottom. I don't think they're at or near the top. I think just like with high school recruiting, if they can just be right there in the middle, then Kyle Whittingham can have them contending for a playoff spot year in and year out as long as the quarterback is right. Because I think that's something that, you know, was kind of missing. And when Utah's gotten close, who have they had a quarterback? Cam Rising, Tyler Huntley. Like those yeah. have been their teams that have gotten closest to to the college football playoff. I don't know if I'm leaving a quarterback out of there from no, right. the 20. Good, yeah, because You name the good ones. You name yeah. the good ones. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> That, that, I think, in the transfer portal world is going to be more accessible for Utah than it used to be because they can't get the big-time quarterback recruits, the four- and five-star kids. Well, guess what? It's the transfer portal era. I mean, and who doesn't want to go play for Utah? You know, yeah. I, think there, I think there are a lot of guys that would look at Utah and say, you know, like DJ Uyunglele, for instance. I'm not yeah. saying him specifically. I'm saying look at what he did, right? He was at Clemson. He was asked to do everything. It didn't work out. He went to Oregon State, which is, you know, Utah West, and they ran a system that allowed him to be less, where he, he wasn't asked to do as much. And I think that that's appealing for some guys and always will be. Like, if if this had happened, if Cam Rising had not come back or yeah. if we were one year later, I would look at a guy like Ty Thompson from Oregon and say, I'd go to Utah tomorrow. I would go, yeah. I would go to Utah. I think he found a great spot in Tulane, by the way. I think they are going to be really, really good in the American conference. They're, they should be the favorites in that league with SMU not in their path. They've had a great offseason and everything. But guys like that that were highly recruited that aren't working out in the way that they wanted to. Think of like a Sam Heward 
who went to Washington never really panned out or uh, gosh, I, I mean, there are a bunch of other examples. I don't know if Jaden Rashad will end up working out at Arizona state. If that guy were to hit the transfer portal, right. like you'd, you'd, you'd be interested there. Those options are going to be there or you can go the veteran route, right? It's not like Utah needs a world beater at quarterback. They do need a certain baseline level. That much is clear, but I think that's going to be available to them. Definitely will. And what Utah still has to offer is, like you said, like they're a top 15 program right now in the sport. So you're going to be in big games on national TV, even when they don't air the ball out a ton. Like there's a reason Dorian Singer is at Utah. There's value in being the number one receiver. Even Utah's like the Devon Vele would have easily been over 800 yards to me last year because he finished with over 600 and he had Bryson Barnes throwing the ball. You sub Cam rising in there he has a lot more than that too and we know what utah should continue to do as one of the premier places for collegiate tight ends too so utah has a lot going for them including winning i mean spencer you mentioned it this schedule for utah it feels like they're really set up to win not just in 2024 but beyond but let's just stay with 2024 for a second i feel like utah is going to be entering like well, next just year to be game. clear jt the 2024 yeah. schedule only sets them up to win in 2024 <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> yes, no, thank you. Sorry, I'm the I worst. I was saying, oh, no, I, you are correct. I you're like, oh, set some up for the future, too. I'm like, mm, Here's I don't what know. I mean by that. But if I would have stated my words correctly, what I mean by that is, you know, just another season of winning, another one of like, oh, coming and playing for Utah, like okay, keeping the brand at a high level. And Spencer, wouldn't you agree that based on this schedule, Utah's in a good place where this should be another 9, 10, plus maybe hopefully even a college football berth for Utah because of this schedule. I completely agree. Nice kick save, by the way, that was, that was sharp, but I think that for the Utes, it is playoff or bust and I'm mm -hmm. not being hyperbolic here. I'm not trying to be provocative. That's not my style. I call it how I see it. This should be a playoff or bust season for Utah. If Utah is not in the playoff, then either there's been a major injury or it's a major disappointment. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Big 12 is not very good. It, it, it's got some solid teams in the middle, but like at the top, Utah is going to be the betting favorite. I don't know if FanDuel's got conference championship odds yet. I don't think they do, but they do not. But they do have win totals, and Utah's is at nine and a half. And last I checked, that is the highest uh, in the Big 12. And it is like that for a reason. Uh, Kansas State is also at nine and a half. And I don't think anybody else is uh, is up there. Texas Tech at eight and a half is kind of is kind of frisky, kind of uh, yeah. kind of kind of frisky. And UCF at eight and a half too. I don't know about that one though. I like Gus Malzahn. He's a good coach, but I ne I never liked how he was treated at Auburn. They and they got they, KJ, and they got the Arkansas KJ at quarterback. Yeah, I like yeah. Him. I mean, he's capable at least. He's not a great thrower, but he's a playmaker. So yeah. um, I just felt like Malzahn at Auburn. They you know, ran him out of town. Like, Oh, this guy's no good. He's not a nothing. I'm like, I don't know. He's beaten Nick Saban once every few years and went to a natty. Okay. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. They got rid of Malzahn who I, who I thought was good, not great, but like good. And then they brought in Brian Harson, and it was a disaster and they never wanted to go. Yeah. Fans and the alumni were like, no, this isn't going to work. And I was just going, you, 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 all poo pooed on uh, on Gus Malzahn and said he's no good and we don't want this guy anymore. And then you brought in Brian Harson and then you just never gave him a chance. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So that's why I feel inclined to root for Gus Malzahn. I don't know if eight and a half is a win total that I would take an over on UCF. I yep. think they're solid. I'd have to dive deeper into their offseason and see if they can make some noise. But Utah and Kansas State, those should be your favorites in the Big 12.
easily. And Utah should be number one. And then you should be able to get in the playoff. I, I just, if they don't, that's a massive disappointment. You've got your staff is back. Your quarterback is here for his seventh season. You've got Keithy back. You've got yeah. Dorian Singer. You've got Money Parks. You've got returners on defense. It's all there. It's all there, and you're going into a weaker conference. Utah should absolutely make the playoff. They definitely should, and they got all the pieces in place. Just got to continue to execute and grow together over the course of spring ball and fall camp. It's going to be fun to see if Utah can do it, just like it's been fun to watch the Utah women's basketball team continue to execute at a high level. But first, I want to talk to you about someone. And Spencer, who were you just reading those win totals from? FanDuel. The duel Fan of duel? fans. Not duel of the fates, but duel <laughs> of the fans. A little Star Wars reference for those of you. Hey, we're getting closer to May the 4th. I like it. I I'm like so it. I'm so glad you but, got that. Yeah. <laughs> but Spencer is absolutely right. FanDuel is a great place, and it's a great place to get buckets with your first bet. You can do it on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. You can buy it on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot all-star game is almost here and then after that the nba regular season really intensifies with those play-in and playoff spots on the line do you guys think the jazz are going to be able to continue to pick up some positive momentum are the lakers going to figure it out what's going on with Giannis and the bucks all that and more you can put a wager on today at fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel an official sports book partner of the nba spencer Always enjoy having you on for the insight you can drop about college football, uh, just the Pac-12 in the past, all those other things as well. But the other thing, and that's what I was, yes, all right, rip the rip the pack, yes. Um, and also with that go comes we all. I always mention that for your experience. You are also a Division One play-by-play broadcaster at Southern Utah, and you got a chance to watch the Utah women's basketball team in person. So I'm curious to get your perspective on them in a second. But first, we got to talk about what happened to them most recently. And yes, they were able to defeat Oregon as we thought they would, but they had a great opportunity to get a Avenger earlier season loss, literally one just two weeks ago to Oregon State when the 17th ranked Beavers came to Utah. And this is a Utah team that's beaten USC, UCLA at home. Both those teams in the top seven at the time. Time. felt like this was going to be a chance where Utah was going to be able to get a big win, a momentum win, and it just didn't happen. Unfortunately, Alyssa Peely was 4 of 17. She did not shoot it like intramural Spencer McLaughlin in the game. If she did, <laughs> that would have been a big boost for them, unfortunately. But she 4 of 17 in this one, and we know what an incredible player. She bounced back literally the next game. You know, nice to see Jenna Johnson also over the weekend get over 1,000 points for her she's had a great career at utah and just in the midst of year three right now so excited to see what she'll continue to do but even mcqueen adding 14 but this is one for utah when you score six fourth quarter points you're not going to win games against top 20 teams utah was not able to execute in the fourth quarter and i know oregon state only had nine points but that's where they had played better the other quarters utah in their first half combined only had 22 points so that's where just can't happen wasn't good enough from the Utes. You shot 18% from three. You shot 28% from the field overall. Not good enough here for Utah, but they did go one-on-one -on, -one on the weekend. There's still a lot of talent here, Spencer. I still feel like they'll, they're more than capable of making plays and making stuff happen the rest of the season, but definitely not the way you wanted this weekend to go. Now with 0-2 against a Pac-12 team like Oregon State. pac 12 women's basketball is lit. I mean, it yes. is so stacked you really used lit yes i did because i don't know how else to describe a conference that <laughs> is going to have probably what four top three seeds yeah i mean that yeah. it, it feels like the big 12 of men's basketball 
Big 12 men's <laughs> basketball, Pac-12 women's basketball. These things, corporate needs you to tell the difference between these two pictures. <laughs> They're the same picture. They are the same because they are deep and they have teams that can win the national championship. It's not just, oh, there's a bunch of good teams. It's not Big Ten men's basketball where it's like, hey, you got a bunch of good teams, but you don't have great teams at the top. No, you've got teams top to bottom that can go make a run, win a national championship. Unfortunately, my Ducks are not that this season as they have been in the past, but you look at what UCLA and USC are doing. You look at Oregon State and the season they're having. Colorado and J.R. Payne are fantastic. Getting wins in this league is hard. It's really, really, really hard. And I think for Utah, it's a bummer because this is a national championship caliber coach. This is a national championship caliber team. But is it a national championship caliber team without Gianna Neepkins? I don't yes. know. Yeah, I, right. I I don't know. That's a bummer and a half because if she is there, that is a difference maker. That's not just a player you'd like to have, someone who comes off the bench and gets you some key points or hits threes or anything like that. That's that's a major piece. And I think that that is – if I, I think there is a really good chance that Utah could go through the tournament, they get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, yep. and they, they could lose a close game, and you look up and go, it's a what if. It's, yeah. a, it's a what if sort of season, you know, every sports franchise and fan base has got them. I've got them as an Oregon fan for basketball. Certainly the final four with uh, Dylan Brooks and Tyler Dorsey and Peyton Pritchard as a freshman. Jordan Bell was on that team. Yeah. Chris Boucher got hurt right before the tournament. Wasn't able to play. Oregon still got to the final four. But what did they need on the final possession? A box out, a rebound or someone who could hit shots when they were cold in the first half. Like, it's a what if. And I just wonder if that's what it ends up being. You said Alyssa Peely went 4 of 17? Yes, she did against Oregon State. I didn't think that was physically possible. I know. She's incredible. <laughs> I'm she's, on, she's like a robot. She She's so efficient always, so tough to guard. She's oh, won she's so many crazy. Every time yeah. she shoots an open three, I, it is Steph Curry. I expect it to go in. I'm surprised when it doesn't. I abs I absolutely agree, and I you just, you made such a great. Uh, you sure it wasn't fourteen of seventeen? And four, I know I I I've checked it multiple times now. It is it's four of seventeen. It's a staggering statistic. Just here's like a, to your Joel, point. here's a bold prediction for you. She's not going to have a game that bad the rest of the season. <laughs> Hot it's, take. A, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it ends up paying off. <laughs> Looks like I Peter would LaFleur has opted to blindfold himself. Yeah, he will not be able to see very well. Yeah. <laughs> and, hey, to your point about Alyssa Peely bouncing back, literally the next game, like, still 7 of 17, so not outstanding, but still over 16 points, was efficient, had eight rebounds, three assists. So, like, you know that she's still capable of that. It's a bummer that Utah doesn't have Gianna Neepkins. It'll definitely put a ceiling, it feels like, on them being a contender for the national crown, as you said, but still a lot of fun things ahead for the Utah women's I'd still, I'd game. still expect a sweet 16 run. Minimum. I could definitely, yeah, I could see it as well. I, like I they think won't they, lose, they won't, they, they will not lose their first round game. Matchup dependent for the round two game, but overall, yeah, host, sites, host sites are a big thing. So that'll be interesting to see where seating wise right. they end up. If they have to go to someone's house, that's not easy. To yeah. Walk over it, yeah. I, that's why I think it's matchup dependent. I'd feel good about putting them in the sweet 16 because I think anyone who's played a Pac 12 schedule is as prepared as you could possibly be for the NCAA tournament and anything that's going to get thrown at you there. That's when the sweet 16 is when 
I think the depth starts to get tested. You know, can a Jenna Johnson step up in a big way? Are they going to be able to hit, you know, 12 to 15 threes in a game? If they do, well, yeah, you're going to win a lot of those games. But that's an if. That 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 is an if, and that's a question I have. But still, Lynn Roberts is just that is she's phenomenal. She is phenomenal. So that is a fantastic basketball coach. She's an exceptional head coach. Don't have any questions about her coaching ability or this team as it pertains to just what they've been able to accomplish to this point, still being able to contend for the things that we listed. But Spencer, one thing I do have a lot of questions about is what is going on in the world of college football right now. And I think a lot of people listening to this, I'm sure they do as well. So where should they head over to if they want to try to understand this crazy sport that we all love? I'm so glad you asked because Locked On College Football is so very live Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts as well hitting the biggest stories in the greatest sport on planet earth it is just about the middle of february jt and i need it back so bad i mean march madness first i, I yeah. like I, I, I love march madness yeah i love i i love not like i love march madness i need college football back because i'm talking about it every day and i'm just getting myself more and more psyched up about the season because guess what it's going to be great even though we're in this dumb, dumb, stupid 12-team playoff, but whatever. Don't, it's here now. Not. It's here now. We're not doing that right now. So it's here. Deal with it. Like roadie changing actors in Iron Man 2. They went from Terrence Howard to John Cheeto. Look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Can we just move on? That's what I'm trying to do here. Move on. It's going to be an awesome season of college football. Season of college football, Spencer. What's that? It's going to be a lit season. <laughs> appreciate all of you who stuck around for the, the end <laughs> hanging out with us that is going to do it for today's edition of locked on youths thank you so much to spencer as always for stopping by make sure you guys check out locked on college football also what he does with locked on ducks and we look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's locked on youths